Football Folks Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Reynolds. This is episode four, Mailbag, where I answer some of your guys' questions and dive into topics that you want me to discuss. Welcome. What a week. What an absolutely insane week it has been in the NBA world. Golden State Warriors close it out in six, are the world champions. We've got the draft this week coming up on Thursday. All the different off-season rumors that are going around. There's absolutely nothing on planet Earth that compares to the NBA. It's a year-round season, basically, with the off-season being honestly more exciting than I can think of three separate other sports professional leagues that just the NBA off-season is more exciting than. So it's awesome, and I want to dive right into it. Let's start with Steph Curry, because it appears as though he has leaped himself into all of the all-time great discussions and I think by him carrying this Golden State team and closing things out in six leapfrogged his way into the top 10. This was a hot topic. This was something that a lot of shows were talking about if he was top 10 or not. I think him getting the finals MVP which is really the only award and accolade that he did not have under his belt solidified him as a top 10 player. I don't even think there's any conversation. I don't think there's argument. None whatsoever. Steph Curry is one of the top 10 greatest basketball players in history of the game of basketball. If you have a problem with that, if you think that is wrong, if you want to debate, you can't. (laughs) I'm sorry. He is. I mean, I don't understand or hear or see any argument against it. Yes, maybe there's some recency bias. I think that recency bias is for sure a thing. I think that there are all-time greats that just don't get the same recognition and the love that they should because of the players that we're seeing today. But I think in the history of the game, Steph Curry is absolutely one of the top 10 greatest. Period. End of story. Top 10. Today being Monday, I'm recording this. Thank goodness I waited until Monday, by the way, just because of all the rumors that have come out that we'll go over, uh, starting with Kyrie Irving, PJ Tucker opting out of his deal. We'll dive into those, but Did you guys see the Warriors championship parade at all? If you did, I am sure you saw the clip of drunk Clay Thompson tripping and just trucking a fan, just destroying her. Looked like a linebacker with the receiver running around over the middle. Litter up. Good for Clay. He lost his hat on his boat that he drove to the parade. I read that he dropped one of his rings on the ground. He just is absolutely plastered. He deserves it, so good for him. We need to talk about this for a second. I don't want to dive too deep into it, but we have to chat about Jason Tatum. What what happened, man? What happened? I think that it's past the point of talking about how young he is. Yes, this is his first NBA Finals. I'm aware of that. I think that's great. I think that he most likely will get back to the Finals again in his career. I, I don't think that would be fair to say he would not after what we just saw. But we have to talk about the turnovers. We have to talk about the fact that he is the first player in NBA history with 100 turnovers in a single postseason. That's nuts. That's insane. There's going to your first NBA Finals. There's being a shot creator and a shot maker like Jason Tatum. You can't, I mean, you can't coach turnovers like that. 100 turnovers in a single postseason for the first time ever is bonkers. That's crazy. We'll leave it at that. Tatum had an unbelievable season. The Celtics had a great season. I definitely jinxed Derek White 
after I gave him props on my podcast. He shot 12 for 44 and 27%. Literally after since I ever since I mentioned him, that's what he shot. He was one for six with two points in game six. Whoops. Try to give you your flowers, buddy, and uh, you did not make me look good. So great season by the Celtics. I'm really glad as a Sixers fan that they didn't win, but they were fun to watch. Warriors were just better and uh, and deserved to win it all. But we need to talk about this. Let, let's start from the top. The very first domino to fall was the Christian Wood trade. Straight out of Houston to Dallas. And I think this is going to be a home run for Luka Doncic. I'll talk about it in a little bit. I think Luka has his best odds of winning an MVP. And I think Christian Wood is the perfect piece to help him get there. Dallas literally gave up nothing. They gave up not one thing that helped them. Don't, just throwaways. That was it. Houston sold low. Christian Wood has a little bit of a history, maybe being a locker room problem guy. He hasn't really shown that he can be a part of winning basketball. I get all of that, but I think he is the perfect piece with Luka. He does everything that Luka needs a big guy to do. I think, here's a hot take, I think that Christian Wood is exactly what Porzingis was in his prime. Maybe even better. Truly, I think that Christian Wood healthy can be the perfect piece for Luca and this Mavs team. And I'm really excited. I'm excited to see it. Uh, Luca is one of my favorite players in the entire league to watch play basketball. And this is only going to help elevate his game, which is hard to believe. It's going to help elevate his game to an even crazier and better level. Houston got a first round pick back. That's exactly what they wanted. So they, they did what they were looking for. Good for them. But I just think this is a clear home run for the Mavericks and props to everybody in the Dallas organization seeing what that team did this year and only getting better and improving right away. They didn't wait around until draft week. They didn't wait around to see what other teams did. They went out and made this trade. They were super aggressive. And honestly, I think it set the tone. I think it's going to set the tone for this week. I think we're going to see a bunch of other pieces fall and a bunch of moves happen. But again, that Christian Wood trade being the first domino to fall, I think it's going to set the bar. So We'll see, but awesome move for Dallas. I'm very, very excited, and again, I'll dive into Luka a little bit later. So awesome first move, big names, wasn't just a little trade. Um, again, I think Christian Wood's just going to be phenomenal. So draft week is always, always exciting. Like I mentioned, offseason is the greatest. As a Sixers fan who lived through the process years, the draft was more exciting to me than the actual season because it's just that hope. In my one of my favorite TV shows, Ted Lasso, go see it and watch it on Apple TV if you haven't. He says it's the hope that kills you. There's a whole episode about it. And that's exactly what the offseason is. Because it does. It just gives you a little bit more hope that, okay, maybe this is going to be the year. Maybe this little piece, maybe this little trade is going to be the ultimate difference in the in the long run. And that's why I love the offseason so much. So let's talk about Kyrie Irving. Uh, one of the questions was about him, so I'll, I'll dive into it a little bit. There are some big names that are going to move. And Kyrie could be the first one. I mean, maybe not the first one, but he could definitely be the biggest name. We'll go over him in a second. Another one, P.J. Tucker. He opted out of his $7.4 million player option uh, just earlier today. I personally think that he is just going to re-sign in Miami. Um, I believe they have his bird rights. I Maybe not, but I think they do. And I would be shocked if he doesn't resign with them however i could see him going back to the phoenix suns shout out to my buddy jordan karchner suns fan i could see that happening also 
I legitimately could see him joining the Philadelphia 76ers. He is the perfect player to join this Sixers team. Embiid has a long quote about it. Talked about the Heat right after the series. He says, when you have size and toughness, that goes a long way. You look at someone like P.J. Tucker. He mentions him specifically by name. P.J. Tucker, great player. But it's not about him knocking down shots. It's about what he does, whether it's on the defensive end or rebounding the ball. Defensively, he plays with so much energy and believes he can get from point A to point B, believes nobody can beat him, and he's tough. He's just physical and tough. And they have a few of those guys talking about the heat. Since I've been here, I'd be lying if I said we've had those type of guys. Nothing against what we have. It's just the truth. We never have P.J. Tucker. That's really what I'm trying to say. I think physicality, once you get into the playoffs or in the later rounds, you need that. You need those type of guys. Embiid's literally pointing it out there, like laying it all out there. I was on with my buddy Trill on his You Know Ball podcast. We talked about how badly the Sixers team needs a dog and how right now Niang is essentially the dog. Like, that's funny to say, but he is. Nobody else on that squad is is getting after guys. Nobody else. Yeah, Matisse can play defense, but like no nobody on that squad can do what P.J. Tucker does. I would love him. I need him. I need him in Philly. Get him in Philly. Other big names. Colin Sexton. What are they going to do with him? I think that Cleveland doesn't have a place for him anymore with Darius Garland showing that he's an absolute star. I think they move on from Sexton. I think he is not. I think he played his last game in a Cleveland Cavaliers uniform. Where does DeAndre Ayton go? The Suns made it very, very clear that they're going to move on from him. I mean, if they weren't, they would have re-signed him. I think that's very obvious. Does Detroit try to go get him? Him and Cade Cunningham together would really be something awesome to watch. Does Toronto go and get him? I think he would fit perfectly on that Toronto team. He will move on. Guys like Victor Oladipo, who had a resurgence in his career, where is he going to sign? Same with Otto Porter Jr. What about Andre Drummond, Hassan Whiteside? There's some big names, not superstar names, but there's some big names that I'm really excited to see. I think all of those players could actually play a meaningful role on a contending team this year. I, I genuinely do. And then I have to talk about it. Again, I, I mentioned that I was on an episode of You Know Ball with Trill. We talked about the Sixers, really dove into the Sixers, so go check it out if you haven't listened already. We talk about the Sixers draft. What are they going to do? Do they pick somebody with their pick? Do they move on from it? I'm under the impression they should trade it. We talk about how a Keith Pompey article came out saying that the Sixers were going to pick up Shake Milton's $1.9 million option, which is absolutely insane and then reports came out later that the Sixers are fully planning on doing that so thank goodness there are reports that the Sixers are gauging trade interest in Toby Matisse and others again I am under the impression that the Sixers only make moves that put them in the best chance of winning it all within the next two to three years I think that's the window for this team I say three years because of the James Harden rumor that came out that he's not only going to opt in for this next year but that the Sixers are looking to sign him to a two-year deal after that essentially locking in three years of James Harden. Outside of three years, you don't have to pay the guy an insane amount of money for being an older dude. That's good. I think the cap hit and that opt-in this season is going to hurt, but I honestly think that it's the best possible scenario, maybe besides Harden declining and then signing just a straight-up new three-year deal. I think this is the best-case scenario for the Sixers. So I'm excited. I think they make a move this week. Some names I would like to see, especially for them trying to, there are rumors that they're trying to move their pick as well as Danny Green's contract. Who could we bring in? 
what mid-level guy, realistic, could we bring in? And we talk about this, and a name I threw out on Trill's podcast was Wesley Matthews. I love what Wesley Matthews did last year. We all know what he can do shooting the ball, but I think he showed last year on the Bucks just that he is a he's an actual good defender. Like I think he's a three and D guy. Another name I loved his time in Utah. I, I'd be shocked if Utah doesn't try to bring him back. But Daniel House I thought is excellent. Trill threw out Terry and Prince. What about Bruce Brown from the Nets? Of course, PJ Tucker, like we just talked about. Then some other interesting names, like Malik Monk's a free agent. What about the Martin brothers? Maybe Otto Porter Jr. Who knows? I think the Sixers make a move first, and then that's going to kind of lay the land for the rest of the offseason. So I'm super excited. This week, again, the offseason's the best, and everything goes down, it seems like, on draft week. And we're here. We're only a few days away. So I'm super excited. Next week's going to be a good episode. I'll recap the draft and chat about it a little bit, but we've got an awesome guest on next week, so we'll kind of go from there. Let's dive into these questions. I'm really excited to answer these. There's some good ones. There's some serious ones, some funny ones. Let's let's just dive into it. First one, Matt from New Jersey asks, asked this morning, if Kyrie Irving really does move on from the Nets, where do you realistically see him landing? Do you think this means Durant leaves? Great question. I I said this after the season ended. For some reason, I... For some reason, I just picture Kyrie Irving in a Miami Heat uniform. I don't know why. Just kind of a gut feeling I have, and I think that's where he's going to land. Again, that's just my gut feeling. The report that came out with, for, uh, with Shams said that the Knicks and Lakers, obviously, the Lakers are going to be tied to everything. The Knicks just want so desperately to be at- uh, attached to something. But I think both of those actually could be realistic. Obviously, the Lakers having LeBron and the Knicks just having a ton of cap space and actually having decent pieces. I could see either one of those. Another team you could see is the Clippers. I mean, they they could make a move, and the Clippers could actually make like one real good push at a title. I could see that. I Kyrie Irving's one of those guys where he literally could tomorrow tweet and say that he's retiring from the game of basketball, and I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. He's kind of a wild card. Last season just kind of showed. He's obviously had some quotes and things like that. Last season just kind of was the cherry on top where – he literally could do that, and I wouldn't be one bit surprised. So I think, personally, if this report came out, Kyrie tweeted a little gif after, a gif, gif, whatever. I think he moves on. And my gut feeling, I'm saying Miami, but, again, keep an eye on the Knicks, Lakers, Clippers. Um, but if I had to bet on it, i go Miami. And I think that, yes, absolutely this means that KD leaves. I don't. I mean, who's he left with? Ben Simmons? I think KD's for sure out, and which is really wild to think about because what is that? That's like a three-year window for Brooklyn. That's not a long window at all. What did they have to show for it? Like, it all fell apart so fast. James Harden got out of there so fast. Now Kyrie's out. If Kyrie's out, KD's out, and they're stuck with... I don't even know. I don't know. Good thing there aren't actual Nets fans because if there were, they'd be really bummed out, but we know that there aren't, so that's good. Uh, Next question. James from Philly asks, who do I think wins the MVP next season? Great question and one that kind of hurts me. So the betting favorites for the MVP next season, Luka and Embiid are tied for first, then it goes Giannis, Jokic, Curry, Tatum, Jaw, Kawhi, Trey Young, and Jimmy. As much as I want to say it's going to be Joel Embiid, I the realistic side of me thinks that Embiid's best odds of winning the MVP were this last season. I think he should have won 
the MVP this last season. That's not saying that Jokic doesn't deserve it. He's an unbelievable talent. I just think that Joel absolutely deserved the MVP this year, and I just don't see him playing better than he did. Look, I would love to be proven wrong. Joel Embiid is my favorite player. The Sixers are my favorite team. I would love to be proven wrong. But I just don't I don't see it. Like, this is the most games he's played in his career. This is the best he's played. Again, I would love to be proven wrong next season, but I don't, I don't think Embiid can make a run for MVP next year. I think Luka wins it. I think there was a case for Luka to be the MVP this year. Not a strong one, just because Jokic and Embiid were clearly the two best players in the league. I think Luka is going to be the MVP next season. I think Dallas wows a ton of people. I think they bring back Brunson. I think that everybody just fits perfectly with the Christian Wood trade. I think that Luka is going to win the MVP next season. Feels hilarious saying that. I mean, the the season just ended this year, and we're already on draft week, but if it's me and I had to put money on somebody to win the MVP next year, I'm putting my money on Luka with another little hundo on Embiid, on Embiid to win it just because I love the guy and would love to be proven wrong. Would absolutely love it. Our next question, and this one I'm actually really excited about, and I've had multiple people ask me about this, but Ryan from New York asked, what song is it that I use for my intro? And I'm really excited to talk about this. So my when I was when I came up with the podcast idea, I wanted I came up with the name first, and of course I wanted, I'm sure just like every podcast, wanted a really good like intro theme song, right? So I hit up my buddy, Drew Mulvey, and he is the lead singer in a band, and I asked him if one of their songs on their debut album I could use. It's my favorite song off the album. The band's name is Say Hey. My good friends Drew and Meg, Meg's the drummer, Say Hey is the band name. The name of the song is Man of the Hour. Their album is called Everything, Everyone. Check them out on Spotify, Apple Music. I'll throw a little link on my uh, Instagram page so that uh, you can click on it and, and check them out. But that's them. Say Hey, Man of the Hour is the name of the song. Drew is one of my groomsmen. Meg was one of my wife's bridesmaids and our wedding photographer. They're great friends, great people, and they are extremely talented musicians. So check them out. Our next question comes from Hannah in Iowa. She wanted me to please talk about the Jazz new uniforms and rebrand. It seems like the organization is going down. We've got to talk about this. This made waves, not just in Utah, and I'm not talking about this just because I live in Utah. If you have not seen the dumpster fire of the Jazz rebrand that's happening right now, you absolutely are missing out. So it came out, uh, again, we'll just do a little recap. Ryan Smith, the owner of the tech startup, which is just now, it's a unicorn, it's a giant company, Qualtrics, purchases the Utah Jazz. This happens just a couple seasons ago. Or before this season, I think this is his first season. He comes in and wants to just obviously make his imprint felt on the organization. Totally fine. New owner, grew up a lifelong fan. Like, I can only imagine the changes that I would make if I was the owner of the Sixers. However, I can guarantee you that they wouldn't be this insane. So he not only does a complete rebranding, goes away from everything that is Utah Jazz, which, by the way, when I picture Utah Jazz... Just when I, I hear those two words, I think of Stockton and Malone. I think of the, the mountain jerseys that they wore during the glory days when they went to the NBA Finals back-to-back -back years. That's what I picture. That's the Jazz. The little bit of history that the Jazz have happened in those two years, which is probably why I think about it. He went away from all of that. 
He went with a black, white, and yellow color scheme, which maybe in my eyes, I'm like, okay, Utah's the beehive state, maybe something like that. Nope. There is an all-black jersey with yellow writing with the biggest words and numbers you've ever seen. A white one that's just plain. It has like a black music note. And a yellow one with black uh, font and big old numbers. They came out with explanation that the black and white are for the colors on the keys of the piano. And the yellow is for the spotlight of the entertainer. All being on the jazz theme. What is that crap? What is that? That is so bad. And then I think that the jerseys leaked. And he saw, as well as everybody else and their dog, saw that these were getting a tremendous amount of negative negativity and pushback. So he rolled out a quote-unquote purple is back campaign and brought back the jazz purple jerseys, which I was talking about with Stockton and Malone. But that's just one of the jerseys. That's like their, their earned edition or their city edition where they'll wear those very limitedly. But now with this campaign and there's a report that came out that said that purple is going to be the main color and that yellow, black, and white are just all these uh, secondary colors. It is a, it's a nightmare. You know that it's really bad when every design that I saw by a fan on Twitter was a million times better than the original jerseys. And I'm not exaggerating. Every fan mock-up I saw was better. One of my best friends, Riker, said that it legitimately looked like Ryan tried to do everything by himself. He tried to do all of it on his own and just like got on and just hurry and whip something up on Photoshop and didn't ask for anybody's opinion and just sent it to print. That's exactly what it looks like. I have to read this quote from Andy Larson, who's a writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. This is what he said about the jerseys. No life here, no soul, no tie to history, no vision on the future. Just big numbers and big letters screaming nothing at you. Everyone who is involved should legitimately feel shame. And I agree. There's a local gas station here in Utah called Maverick. They tweeted something out, even mocking the jazz jerseys. Said that it looked like a design on one of their cups, their soda cups that you come and get a drink out of. Ooh, not good. R Ryan Evans, one of my best friends here in Utah, he wanted me to talk about uh, just on the same lines with the, the jazz. I don't know if you guys caught this, but at the end of game six, Danny Ainge, who now works for the Utah Jazz, was seen on the court after the game trying to shake hands with Steve Kerr and everybody else, he's decked out and had to tell Celtics gear. He worked for the Celtics for a while. He played for the Celtics. I get that. But he does not work for them anymore. He works for the Utah Jazz. And part of me thinks he saw that hideous <laughs> rebrand and just was like, yeah, nope, not doing this Vivint door-to-door summer sales bro vibe. I'm not doing that. I'm going back to game six. I'm wearing some Celtics gear and rooting on my former team. It was so weird seeing him do that. I, people were weirded out when he first signed with Utah because he's known for the big moves, right? He's known for the big rebuilds, what he did bringing the big three together in Boston and essentially building up the Boston roster that is there now. I think that the vibe in Utah was that people were unsure when Danny Ainge came here. And seeing him dress like that head to toe in Celtics gear after game six of the finals, that's it made everything even weirder. Very, very weird. Not a not a fan. And definitely not a fan of the rebrand. It is it is so bad. So, so, so bad. If they would have just gone with the purple as the main color right out of the gate, or at least like, I don't know, asked some fans and got a vibe, this would be totally different. But they didn't, and now they're stuck with it. Just a total miss. All the way around, no matter how much you look at it. 
The Jazz are not yellow, black, and white, no matter how much it's tried to be forced on the entire fan base. They're simply not. Are you sick of spending time caring for your lawn? Have you spent too much time mowing it or even just keeping it alive? You tired of wasting resources and money watering it? If you are like me, the answer is yes to all of those. You should consider artificial grass. Beehive Turf out of northern Utah will transform your yard into looking beautiful all year round. Check out Beehive Turf on Instagram. Give them a call today for a free quote. Beehive Turf, take the sting out of caring for your lawn. Speaking of the jazz, there is something that I wanted to talk about. One of my good close friends, Mal, brought this up when I asked for questions and it made me laugh. And I felt I, I went back and forth whether I should just talk about it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk about it. So not a lot of people know the story, but it's a true one. And I'm about to tell it. So the year is 1998. There we were. I was seven years old watching the NBA finals game. It was game six. You know, you all know the famous game where Michael Jordan hits the famous last shot over Brian Russell, the push-off. Jazz fans said it was a push-off. I don't think it was a push-off. Whatever. I'm seven years old. I'm watching the game. At this point in my life, I'm a big diehard basketball fan. That's all I know. I absolutely love it. Jordan hits that shot, and there's 5.2 seconds left. I have never had to pee more in my entire life. My, this is my seven years of living that I can remember. I've never had to go to the bathroom more. For some reason, I'm all alone in my basement watching this game. Biggest game ever, and I'm all alone watching it. But in my little seven-year-old mind, this was what I thought. When Jordan hit the shot, I thought, okay, great. Jazz called a timeout. I got to pee. But I don't have enough time to run upstairs and go to the bathroom. So the best possible decision I could think of was to pee behind the entertainment center. Because I couldn't pause the TV, and I knew there was five seconds left. I was not going to miss a jazz buzzer beater to force game seven. I simply wasn't. I don't know what my logic was. I, it doesn't make sense. But again, in my seven-year-old mind, who wanted to see the end of this basketball game, I looked at my options, and I decided what I should do. So I peed behind the entertainment center. I ended up being done. I watched in time. I saw the last five seconds. Stockton got a decent look at the top of the key. Would have been an awesome buzzer beater and force game seven. Nope, he missed it. And I got to see Jordan celebrate his sixth championship and what I thought would be the very last time I saw the greatest basketball player to ever walk on the planet. There's my story. <laughs> Mom, I'm sure if you're listening, you're shocked. I'm sorry. We don't live in that house anymore. We haven't for a long time. But that did happen, and I'm sorry. Look, if you're going to be mad, I get it, but maybe let's focus that energy towards Dick Bavetta, the NBA ref, who called off a Howard Isley three-pointer, said it was a shot clock violation in the first half of that game for the Jazz, when he clearly got the shot off in time. That changes the whole game. Jordan hits that shot, they're still down by one. So if you're going to be mad, please don't be mad at me. Be mad at Dick Bavetta for making the wrong call. All right, here's my next question. Steven from Toronto asks, what do I make of the coaching market at the moment? Atkinson stepping away from Charlotte and the Jazz opening to be specific. So the, the, the Atkinson stepping down from the Hornets job is actually pretty interesting. Charlotte has good pieces. They have a, at least enough good pieces 
that it should make this head coaching job somewhat enticing. Now, Atkinson, being an assistant coach for the Golden State Warriors, just won a championship and looked at it and thought, well, I'm not going to do this in Charlotte. I'm not close to this in Charlotte. Yes, I can make more money. He just viewed his options, and I can't blame him one bit for staying in Golden State. I can't at all. That definitely causes problems for Charlotte because I read that D'Antoni and I want to say maybe Terry Stotts or one other coach made it down to the finalists, but they went with Atkinson, and now they're going to have to restart their search. So rough for them. Don't blame Atkinson one bit. The Jazz is a it's a very unique situation with the whole Quinn Snyder leaving or stepping down or being forced out. They brought in every assistant coach that you can possibly think of in the entire NBA. Let me give you my top three. These are who I think should be the top three finalists for the Jazz coaching job. We'll start with the obvious one being Johnny Bryant. Johnny Bryant, very close ties with Donovan Mitchell, left to become an assistant coach for the Knicks, now is being interviewed to come back to Utah and be the head coach. I think that is, without a doubt, that should be the first option, and I think it is, to be honest. I think out of the reports that we've seen leaked, I think Johnny Bryant's one of the finalists. The second, Kevin Young, assistant coach for the Phoenix Suns. He was an assistant coach for Brett Brown in Philly. Awesome guy, awesome coach. I was told the offseason when the Sixers hired Doc Rivers that Kevin Young absolutely wowed the organization with his head coaching interview. I was told that he, if if Doc Rivers doesn't happen, there's a very realistic chance that Kevin Young could be the head coach of the Sixers. I think he is going to make a phenomenal head coach in the league. And everything I've been told about him is that he is going to be an unbelievable coach. And it's it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I think it'd be a home run for Utah to give Kevin Young a chance and hire him. He's who I've got at two. Who I have at three is Sam Cassell. Assistant coach, obviously NBA legend, assistant coach for the Philadelphia 76ers. So kind of funny because we've talked about it. The assistant coaches that the Sixers have had that have moved on and have done amazing things in the league. I tweeted something a while ago that said if it was right after Quinn Snyder stepped down, it was kind of a joke that said if the Jazz end up hiring another Sixers assistant, say Sam Cassell, he goes on to win head co- or win coach of the year, that I am going to pass away, to put it frankly. And then they tweeted that they were bringing him in, and it just hurt a lot. So I think that Sam Cassell, and again, everything I've been told about Sam Cassell, I had a literally NBA executive tell me that Sam Cassell is an unbelievable coach that the only knock against him is that he's too much of a player's coach, which makes him such an unbelievable assistant coach, right? You can be a player's coach if you are and and avoid all problems. I think Sam Cassell would do an amazing job. I think you have to look at Philadelphia's track record. As funny as it is, I think at some point you have to look back and say, okay, they're actually onto something there. Look at that coaching tree. Look at the plethora of coaches they have. I think David Yeager is going to be another one who comes right in and ends up being a head coach somewhere, and he's going to be great. But I think that your third option is Sam Cassell if you're the Jazz. I'll be interested to see what happens, but that's that's my top three. Johnny Bryant, Kevin Young, Sam Cassell. My next question. This is a fun one. So Randy from Utah asked me who are the hottest, a.k.a. most attractive NBA players, and asked me to rank them. So I could give you my opinion. I think there are some absolutely handsome dudes in the NBA, but I went right to my wife, McCall, and I asked her to name her top three, and this is who she gave me. Number one, Matisse Thibel. 
She loves Matisse. She tells me all the time. Every game we watch, she just talks about how attractive he is. He's a handsome dude. I'll give it to him. Number two, she went off, off all time apparently because number two is not in the league anymore. She put J.J. Redick. J.J., another very handsome guy. He's one of my favorite basketball players of all time. You've got the second spot in my wife's list. Number three, she says Kevin Love. She gives two honorable mentions, the first being Devin Booker and the second being Chris Paul. So there you go. Maybe that's her top five, but that, that was her top three with two honorable mentions. There you go, Randy. There's your answers. My next question, I got this a ton. Grant from Utah, Derek from Las Vegas, a few other people asked, what does Steph Curry have to do to pass LeBron or MJ or just be in the top five best basketball players of all time? And is it even possible? Excellent question. Like I talked about, Steph Curry is a top 10 basketball player. I don't. Again, there's not an argument in my eyes. This is where it gets a little hairy. When I think of Michael Jordan, I think of the greatest basketball player ever. When I think of LeBron, I picture the second greatest basketball player. 1A and 1B. And you can interchange those. I'm not even against that. For Steph to jump into that conversation, I don't know, man. Win, win three more rings? Like, realistically. And that's not fair to, to say for him. I think if he wins one more ring, I think that that solidifies him. In my eyes, that solidifies him as a top five player. That's in terms of winning, and that's in terms of overall impact on the game. There is no arguing about his impact on the game. We talked about it before. Everybody's talked about it. He changed the entire way that basketball is played with the three-point shot, shooting deep. If I shot just one three from where, and it, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I can shoot threes. That's all I do and when I play basketball. If I were to shoot one three-pointer where Steph Curry shoots from, I would have got yanked and probably kicked off my high school team. But now kids do it all the time. That's just what basketball is. And that's because of Steph Curry. However, when I picture Jordan, when you hear Jordan, when you hear LeBron, they're brands. Like Jordan is a brand and the biggest brand. LeBron is a brand. Steph is not anywhere near there. He's got his deal with Under Armour and it's awesome, but he's just, he's simply not. And, and I don't know if that's right or wrong. It sucks, but I just don't think that he can pass them. I mean, you even look at that, like, in, in at the end of their career, how are we going to look back on Steph? Are we going to look back with the same goggles and the same outlook, put him in the same category as LeBron? What about Kobe? I don't know. I just I, I have a hard time with that one. I don't think so. I, I genuinely don't. And may, I'd like to be proven wrong. Maybe Steph can turn himself into a brand like that. But but that's, that's what I picture. LeBron a brand, Jordan a brand, Steph's not anywhere near there. But look, man, if he wins one more, I genuinely think he'll be in the top five. Truly, I really do. Kai from Utah writes in and asks, what is my dream starting five? Not the best five, but the funnest five for me to watch. This is a fun one, and we can dive in. I don't, I didn't know how to answer this, so I've got, I have two positions where they're split. Eh, three positions where they're split. I can make a decision if I need to. So tell me if I do, but let's start at the point guard position. Here we go. Actually, I'm just going to say it. I'm, I'm making a decision right now. Steve Nash. Steve Nash, in my lifetime, is the funnest pure point guard I've ever seen play basketball. Do I think he deserved to win the MVP? No. However... 
that year was unbelievable, and those Suns teams were unbelievable. And what he did with that roster around him and those guys around him was unbelievable. Dribbling, passing, he could shoot it. He gets his nose broken, snaps it back in place, his long hair. He was the man. Those Suns teams were so fun to watch, and watching what he did with the basketball was so much fun. Him and Amari Stoudemire, that pick and roll, truly a thing to behold. I, I love Steve Nash. Steve Nash is my point guard, number one. Number two, this I can't make a decision on. Look at the shooting guard. I guess you could have put Iverson at the point guard position, but we're going to put him at the shooting guard position here. Same with Steph. Steph and Iverson are my two here. I love both of them the same, equally. Iverson is like my all-time favorite basketball player, but just watching Steph Curry shoot the ball, I have to put him on my list. I have to. Watching Iverson, of course, all growing up is what made me fall in love with the game of basketball. But watching Steph shoot from the most ridiculous place on the court over and over and over, and when he gets hot, he gets hot, and there's nothing like it. It's impossible for me to pick. So I've got to put both of them there. And this one is also impossible for me to pick at the small forward position. I've got MJ. I've got Kobe. I was too young, I think, to fully appreciate the Michael Jordan experience. Like I said in my awesome story earlier about the finals, I was seven years old the last year that Jordan played for the Bulls. I just missed it. Like I, I was just young enough that I don't think I fully appreciated what Michael Jordan could do live. But my dad always made us watch the Michael Jordan videos. We had this like DVD that had all of his documentaries on it, all of his top plays on it, and I watched that thing religiously growing up. So it's not like I, I wasn't introduced to him. It's not like I didn't see him and see his highlights, but it's different. You know it's different when you actually watch it live, depending on what age you are, depending on what point in life you're at. That's exactly where I was for Kobe. So when, when Kobe passed away, that's exactly what I tweeted out and said. Like, he was our, my generation's MJ. That's what Kobe was. It was that age where I wish that I could have been that age for Jordan and just fully appreciated everything he did. But I, I, it, you can't make a list and leave Michael Jordan off of it. So I, it, didn't feel the, it didn't feel right for me to leave Kobe off of it either. So I've got those two as small forward. Power forward, I have to go LeBron. I am not a LeBron fan by any means, but I think it was the it was the year that he came back and that Cavs team beat the Warriors. That was unbelievable and some of the best basketball I've ever seen in my entire life. And then him winning the bubble, people want to call it a Mickey Mouse championship, and you can. If it, if the Sixers won a bubble championship, I could care less. If you could call it whatever you wanted, it's still championship. So I think just seeing what he did with that Lakers team solidified it for me that, okay, like, I don't have to like this guy to appreciate greatness. And LeBron, before he left Cleveland the first time, was one of my favorite. I mean, that's some of the most fun I've ever had watching basketball. That series against Detroit, young LeBron, like it, that that was so much fun. So LeBron's at power forward. And then at center for me, again, this is my personal funnest to watch. I've got Embiid. I love Embiid. He's my favorite player in the league. But I think that what he can do and what his bag consists of is really unlike anything we've seen in the NBA before. Him and Jokic are both unbelievable. I just don't love 
watching a game through the lenses of an offensive rating and all these analytic stats. Just kidding. I know that Nuggets fans don't really do that. Well, some of you have to, but I don't think all of you do. But Embiid is my favorite. Hands down. Everything he does is just unbelievable. There are very few players in the league where every time he touches the ball, he has the chance to do something that like you shake your head at. And he does that multiple times a game. He'll hit some jump shot. He'll do some fadeaway, some crossover, take it coast to coast. And that Toronto series, his bag was on full display. Again, whether it's turnarounds, buzzer beaters, he just does things that make you shake your head that no other, like a guy that size should not do. And I love to watch it and seeing him grow from literally nothing to what he is now has been a joy. And he makes my starting five, even though it's not five, but it is my list of five. So I can do what I want. And you got to cut me some slack because that's really hard to do. Colton from Utah writes in and asks what my hottest take on the NBA 75th anniversary team is. This is this one is pretty, I feel like, well agreed upon that Dwight Howard should have made that list. And you know my thoughts on Anthony Davis. I do not think that he should. I'm, I'm, look, Anthony Davis is a good basketball player. We all know that. I just don't think that he should be one of the top 75 greatest basketball players of all time, ahead of Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard is an eight-time All-Star. He's an eight-time All-NBA member, meaning he was on the first or second All-NBA teams. He's won the Defensive Player of the Year three separate times. He leads all active players in blocks and rebounds. And he's finished top five for the MVP four different times in his career. That's insane. That is that is truly disrespectful to leave Dwight Howard off of that list. He was the most dominant player in the NBA for a good stretch. Realistically, three, four seasons. He those Orlando Magic teams, he single-handedly took them to the NBA Finals. They lost to Kobe. Like, he is a freak. Anthony Davis doesn't do that by himself, or else he would have stayed in New Orleans. LeBron, I feel like piggybacked. Anthony Davis onto that 75th anniversary team. If he doesn't win, I don't think he makes this list. And I know I'm saying that with like Damian Lillard, who's who's on this list of top 75 players. He hasn't won anything. But you know Dame, he doesn't run from the grind. He's just going to stay in Portland and waste his whole <laughs> waste his career away in Portland. Get that guy out of there. But he seems like he's got roots growing out of his feet. He's not leaving. But that's how I feel about Anthony Davis. I, I don't think he should be on there. Again, he's a great player, but the disrespect shown to Dwight Howard is that's bonkers. He absolutely deserves to be on the NBA 75th anniversary team. 100%. Next question comes from Ben in Philadelphia. He asked me what my favorite personal basketball memory is. It's an awesome question, and I've got a few. So I'll start with this one. By no means is this meant to be like a sob story or woe is me, feel bad for me type of thing. It's just the story, and it's why it means a lot to me. So me and my wife have been married for six years, and right after we got married, we found out, literally within a month, we found out that my wife had a big old brain tumor, size of an apple. It was located right in the middle of her head. We 
found this out because she was she had a really really kind of sketchy short term memory. It was really spotty. She was tripping over her feet a lot, and she was sick and throwing up our entire honeymoon. So we we were, went to Aruba on our honeymoon. Literally, she was sick the entire time. She tripped over her feet at the airport a bunch, and when we got back, her sister-in-law insisted, or my sister-in-law, her sister, insisted that she go and get her head checked. So she did. They went, they did all these tests. She passed all of them. But my sister-in-law just had this feeling that like, hey, you still, like there's something's going on. So they ordered a scan and that's how we found out. So shout out my sister-in-law, Lex, who saved your sister's life, which I will forever be grateful for. But that's how we found out. And it kind of happened at a unique time. This was still during the Sixers process years. And the draft lottery was right around the corner. So... My wife went in for surgery. It was right before my birthday, so right around like May 11th. And when she came out, she said to, <laughs> she had a uh, really long surgery. Um, they tried to remove as much of the tumor as they could. Thank goodness it was it wasn't cancerous or anything like that. And the very first thing that she said when we went back in there, the doctors told me that like, hey, this could very easily be like a 51st state situation. Like there's there's a realistic chance that where we have to go in to get access to the middle of the brain, like it could affect her memory. So just a heads up. So me, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, fully expecting it to be some type of like, I'm going to have to remind her who I am every day, everything like that. We go in there. They only allow two people back at a time and it's myself and my father-in-law. And the very first thing I say to her is how, like, how do you feel? And immediately, without hesitation, my wife said, 25 sitting on 25 mil, which is the Drake lyric from the song YOLO. And it made me so happy because I knew that she was still in there and that was herself. And I couldn't believe that was the first thing she said after being operated on for like 10 hours. The second thing she asked was if we got the first overall pick, meaning the Sixers. And... That also was a moment for me to be like, whoa, okay. Like, I love that that is on your mind, but also, like, is that important? Like, you, we just were talking about your brain surgery. Your head was open, and they were operating on your brain, and one of the, the first things you're worried about is if the Sixers got the first pick in the draft lottery. Very cool moment, and we ended up getting the first pick, and it ended up that was the Ben Simmons pick, everything like that. So that uh, that that makes it sting even more with how everything went down with Ben, just because that was such like an awesome time in our lives that Ben will forever be associated with me and my family with that first pick, with my wife surviving her brain tumor and her surgeries and everything like that. So that is, and then uh, of course. His very first game was at Utah Summer League, and we got to meet Ben and get a picture with him. Uh, my brother and I both had the very first Ben Simmons Sixers jerseys ever made, and he got to see him and was super cool. So, again, it stings with how the whole Ben thing went out, but he'll always be tied in with my family for forever because that is one of my favorite basketball memories um, of my life. The next best basketball memory would date back to two years. It was 
absolute heartbreak. It was the series that we lost to the Hawks. But I was able, along with my younger brother and our family, to travel to – we went to all games in Philly and the games on the road in Atlanta. It was amazing. Turns out witnessing a playoff loss on the road is not a fun experience at all, especially when the crowd is actively, and not trying to hide it, cheering for a Joel Embiid injury, which happened multiple times in Atlanta. Not cool. But being able to all be together, sit together, watch the Sixers play, which is all of our our just our favorite team, and seeing the home games and then being able to travel together to the away games. It was so awesome, man. That that was so much fun and something that I'll never, ever forget. Sitting behind Quavo, really cool and really frustrating. He was a cool dude, uh, don't get me wrong, but that game one where every single shot that Atlanta would hit, whether it was Trey Young or Bogdanovich, they would look over at Quavo, who's standing solo, throwing up the three. I'm right behind him. There's a little clip of me just shaking my head, so frustrated. Memories like that, man. That, yeah, that that series, obviously wish that it would have ended different. All those stupid TikTok stars and people who are sitting courtside in Game 7. Fully blame the loss on them, so hopefully they hear this. But that series was awesome. And when I when I think of 76ers basketball, I just it's all my family. Like, every one of my Sixers memories is with my family. My brother's. My dad, grandpa, my uncles, like everybody. So that just makes me happy. I'm a big family guy, and the fact that I get a tie-in, like so many of you, I feel like that's why sports holds such a, such a, it has such a stranglehold on all of us because we get to tie it in with our families and fun memories like that. One other amazing memory was I'm trying to remember who we played. I want to say maybe it was Chicago. But me and my me and my brother and my buddies, our best friends, we do a guy's trip every year where we go back east, we go to Philly, all our friends, we're all located here in Utah, and all of us, we go back to Philly, we go to New Jersey, hit up as many different sporting events as we can, and we were able to witness Furcon's incredible, incredible performances where he had career highs and just went absolutely nuts. We had amazing seats and got to sit basically courtside and see... Furcon do his thing might honestly be the last time that Furcon's had a good game not kidding and I think this was even pre him wearing those highlighter yellow shoes so that kind of dates it but super fun man again whether it's family whether it's friends that was something and those are games that I'll never forget just because it was so hilarious but getting to witness it with people you love and we got to play basketball at the practice facility and just uh, live it up and have a blast Let's end with this question. This one comes from Alan in Delaware. He asks me, what is the surefire move that happens draft night? I guess we could do draft week. Let's just go with that. The most surefire trade. That's a good one. This is a great question. Besides like little dinky trades and stuff of like teams moving picks and packaging picks for more picks and protected first rounders and seconds, things like that. I'm going to say John Collins gets traded from the Atlanta Hawks. I don't know where. There are rumors about the Minnesota Timberwolves are linked to Clint Capella somehow. I don't understand that one. But 
everything I've read, everything I've seen says that the Hawks are trading John Collins, and it's just a matter of to who's gonna like where he's gonna land, who's gonna take him. I saw something about the Sacramento Kings possibly being interested, and if you're John Collins, man, you gotta pray that's not where you land. Poor Sacramento. Uh, ugh, De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis has to be stunned. That's where he got traded to. To be shipped from Indiana to Sacramento. Ooh. If you're Halliburton or your buddy healed, you are taking the very first flight you can out of Sacramento to get to Indianapolis. But the other way around, that's that's torture. Absolute torture. That's who I think. I think John Collins, if we're going to see one player moved at all this week, it's going to be John Collins. I think they'll package him with some other pieces. It would be pretty awesome to see the Hawks go after Rudy Gobert. If you can pay, pair Trey Young and Rudy Gobert up together, oof, look out. I don't want to see that as a Sixers fan. I don't want them to be on the same team. And if you're the Jazz, you've got to take, whether that's Clint Capella, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, some package of all of them together. Not all of them together, but some package with with some of those guys. That's the best haul you're going to get. So if that happens, amazing. I've seen also rumors about the Bulls looking pretty aggressive to go after Rudy Gobert. Vucevic, Patrick Williams. I've even seen Lonzo Ball's name thrown around there. I don't know. Going to be interesting. This week is going to be crazy. We might even have to do an emergency pod if something nuts goes down on the day of the, of the draft. We can jump back on here and talk about it. But John Collins, circle that name. That's my surefire move. That That's who's going to get moved this week. That's all I got. That was really fun. I enjoy answering all these questions. We'll do for sure do some more of these as the pod goes on. Got it a mix. I wanted to mix up the guests. We're not going to have a guest on every single episode, but I can assure you next week's guest is going to be a great one. The Allen Iverson signed ball giveaway is ending this week. So make sure you still retweet and uh, and enter to win that thing. Uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I can promise you that. This is this giveaway is pretty awesome, but it is only going to get cooler from here, especially once the season starts. Maybe we'll do some tickets. Maybe we'll do some jerseys, more signed stuff. Let me know. Let me know what you guys want. And it, it doesn't just have to be Sixer stuff. Could be Jazz stuff. Could be anywhere whoever you're a fan of let me know what you want to see and uh i'll pull some strings i'll see what i can do but thank you guys for listening truly i know i say this every episode can't tell you how cool this is for me i love doing this i love talking basketball i love the interaction with you guys and the support means the world so please continue to listen continue to review subscribe jump on itunes spotify leave a review it could be one star i don't care i just want to hear from you Again, love all of you. Appreciate it. Excited to chat next week. And uh, that's all, folks.